in the kingdom of seals. The sea fairies have grey skin coverings and quite resemble seals. They dwell in cave houses on the borders of the land under waves where they have a kingdom of their own. They love music and the dance like all fairies and when Harper or Piper plays on the beach they come up to listen, their slow black eyes sparkling with joy. On moonlit nights they hear the mermaids singing on the rocks when the human beings are fast asleep and they call to them, Sing again, old croons, sing again! All night long the sea fairies call thus when the mermaids cease to sing and the mermaids sing again and again to them. When the wind pipes loud and free and the sea leaps and whirls and swings and cries aloud with wintry merriment, the sea fairies dance with the dancing waves, tossing white petals of foam over their heads and twining pearls of spray about their necks. They love to hunt the silver and salmon in the forests of sea tangle and in the ocean's deep blue glens and far up dark ravines through which flow rivers of sweet mountain waters gemmed with stars. The sea fairies have a language of their own, and they are also very skilled in human speech. When they come ashore, they can take the forms of men or women and turn billows into dark horses with grey manes and long grey tails, and on these they ride over mountain and moor. There was once a fisherman who visited the palace of the sea fairies and told on his return of all that he had seen and of all that he had heard. He dwelt in a little township near to John O'Groat's house and was wont to catch fish and seals. When he found that he could earn much money by hunting seals, whose skins make warm winter clothing, he troubled little about catching salmon or cod and worked constantly as a seal hunter. He crept among the rocks searching for his prey and visited lonely seal-haunted islands across the Pentland Firth where he often found the strange sea prowlers lying on smooth, flat ledges of rock fast asleep in the warm sunshine. In his house he had great bundles of dried seal skins and people came from a distance to purchase them from him. His fame as a seal hunter went far and wide. One evening a dark stranger rode up to his house, mounted on a spirited black mare with grey mane and grey tail. He called to the fisherman who came out, Make haste and ride with me towards the east. My master desires to do business with you. I have no horse, the fisherman answered, but I shall walk to your master's house tomorrow. Come now, ride with me. My good mare is strong and fleet-footed. As you will, answered the fisherman, who at once mounted the mare behind the stranger. The mare turned round and right about and galloped eastward faster than the wind of March. Shingle rose in front of her like rock-strewn sea spray and a sand cloud gathered and swept out behind like mountain mists that are scattered before a gale. The fisherman gasped for breath for although the wind was blowing against his back when he mounted the mare, it blew fiercely in his face as he rode on. The mare went fast and far until she drew nigh to a precipice. Near the edge of it she halted suddenly and the pair dismounted. The fisherman found then that the wind was still blowing seaward, although he had thought it had veered round as he rode. 
Never before had he sat on the back of such a fleet-footed mare. We have almost reached my master's dwelling, said the stranger. The fisherman looked round about him with surprise, and saw neither house nor the smoke of one. Where is your master? he asked. The stranger said, You shall see him presently. Come with me. As he spoke, he walked toward the edge of the cliff and looked over. The fisherman did the same and saw nothing but the grey, lonely sea heaving in a long, slow swell and seabirds wheeling and sliding down the wind. Where is your master? he asked once again. With that, the stranger suddenly clasped the seal hunter in his arms and crying, Come with me! leapt over the edge of the cliff. The mare leapt with her master. Down, down, down they fell through the air, scattering the startled seabirds. Screaming and fluttering, the birds rose in the clouds about and above them, and down, ever down, the men and the mare continued to fall till they plunged into the sea and sank and sank, while the light around them faded into darkness deeper than the night. The fisherman wondered to find himself still alive as he passed through the sea depths, seeing nothing, hearing nothing, and still moving swiftly down. At length he ceased to sink and went forward. He suffered no pain nor discomfort, nor was he afraid. His only feeling was one of wonder, and in thick, cool darkness he wondered greatly what would happen next. At length he saw a faint green light, and as he went onward the light grew brighter and brighter, until the glens and bends and forests of the sea kingdom arose before his eyes. Then he discovered that he was swimming beside the stranger, and that they had both been changed into seals. The stranger said, Yonder is my master's house. The fisherman looked and saw a township of foam-white houses on the edge of a great sea forest and fronted by a bank of sea moss which was green as grass but more beautiful and very bright. There were crowds of sea folk in the township. He saw them moving about to and fro and heard their voices but he could not understand their speech. Mothers nursed their babes and young children played on the banks of the green sea moss and from the brown and golden sea forest came sounds of music and the shouts of dancers. Said the stranger, Here is my master's house. Let us enter. He led the fisherman toward the door of a great foam-white palace with its many bright windows. It was thatched with red tangle and the door was of green stone. The door opened as smoothly as a summer wave that moves across a river mouth and the fisherman entered with his guide. He found himself in a dimly lighted room and saw an old grey seal stretched on a bed and heard him moaning with pain. Beside the bed lay a bloodstained knife and the fisherman knew at a glance that it was his own. Then he remembered that not many hours before he had stabbed a seal and that it had escaped by plunging into the sea carrying the knife in its back. The fisherman was startled to realise that the old seal on the bed was this very one he had tried to kill and his heart was filled with fear. He threw himself down and begged for forgiveness and mercy for he feared that he himself 
would be put to death. The guide lifted up the knife and asked, Have you ever seen this knife before? He spoke in human language. That is my knife, alas, said the fisherman. Said the guide, The wounded seal is my father. Our doctors are unable to cure him. They can do naught without your help. That is why I visited your house and urged you to come with me. I ask your pardon for deceiving you, but as I love my father greatly, I had to do as I have done. Oh, do not ask my pardon, said the fisherman. I have need of yours. I am ashamed and am very sorry for having stabbed your father. Well then, said the guide, lay your hand on the wound and wish it to be healed. The fisherman laid his hand on the wound and the pain that the seal suffered passed into his hand but did not remain long. As if by magic the wound was healed at once. Then the old grey seal rose up strong and well again. The guide said, You have served us well this day. When the fisherman had entered the house all the seals that were within were weeping tears of sorrow but they ceased to weep as soon as he had laid his hand on the wound, and when the old seal rose up, they all became merry and bright once again. The fisherman wondered what would happen next. For a time the seal seemed to forget his presence, but at length his guide spoke to him, Now you may return to your home, where your wife and children await you. I shall lead you through the sea depths, and take you on my mare, over the plain we crossed when coming hither. I give you thanks fisherman exclaimed before you leave there is one thing you must do you must take a vow never again to hunt seals the fisherman answered oh surely surely i promise never again to hunt for seals if you ever break your promise you shall die i counsel you to keep it and as long as you do you will prosper every time you set lines or cast a net you will catch much fish our seal servants will help you, and if you need to reward them for their services, take with you in your boat a harp or pipe and play sweet music, for music is the delight of all seals. The fisherman vowed he would never break his promise, and the guide then led him back to dry land. As soon as he reached the shore, he ceased to be a seal and became a man once again. The guide, who had also changed shape, breathed over a great wave and immediately it became a dark mare with grey mane and grey tail. He then mounted the mare and bade the fisherman mount behind him. The mare rose up in the air as lightly as the wind-tossed spray and passing through the clouds of startled seabirds reached the top of the cliff. On she raced at once, raising the shingle in front and a cloud of sand behind. The night was falling and the stars began to appear but it was not quite dark when the fisherman's house was reached. The fisherman dismounted, and his guide spoke and said, Take this from me, and you may live happily. He handed the fisherman a small bag, and crying, Farewell, remember your vow. He wheeled his mare right round and passed swiftly out of sight. The fisherman entered his house, and found his wife still there. Oh, you have returned! How did you fare? I know not yet, he answered. Then he sat down and opened the bag, and to his surprise and delight found it was full of pearls. 
His wife uttered a cry of wonder and said, Where did you receive such treasure? The fisherman then related all that had taken place and his wife wondered to hear every word. Never again, never again will I hunt for seals, he exclaimed. And he kept his word and prospered and lived happily until the day he breathed his last. The end.